Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast that just, you know, if you ever want a podcast that feels like a sweater, but tastes like the most delicious beverage you've ever had, and feels like a friend when it's nearby, that's us. That's us. And we just want to help you get through life, especially as it pertains to sex. And in today's episode, we allow Benji to just, we take off the leash and we let the guy go. He's just gone. And he is really passionate about absolute sex and especially what it is not because there's a lot of misnomers as to how to create synergy in a marriage and sometimes we're misled. So let's get into it. The gloves are off today. The ladies have gone wild. I don't know what that means, but it's going to be a great episode. So let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody, to another delightful day here. Benji and I were just catfighting before this. That's why we're like giggling. He's got a giant cup of something, and I have the smallest cup of tea you've ever seen in your life. We want to make sure to stay hydrated, because this is a doozy, this episode. And the reason we're recording it is because Benji was like hot to trot maybe two weeks ago, I think, on a staff call. And it's about absolute sex, but it's also about so much so-called alleged common wisdom that's shared with us that's actually quite destructive about the frequency of sex and having some comparative sexual relationship with other people and like comparing the Mm. results that you have and all this stuff. So we want to get into this. We want to get in the weeds. I want to open the floor because Benji, sometimes he's very like passive and he just lets you talk. Other times he catches fire and then he just starts (laughs) to elevate. So I want to know, why were you so hot on this. We were not really talking about this topic at our staff meeting, but something struck you and you just went off. You yeah. know, you call, you went on your soapbox. So why are I you so passionate go, about this? I do go on soapboxes and I do listen passively for many hours. Most of my life has been listening and <laughs> sometimes it just comes out and I don't know. I guess it's just my expression of God and I feel like God is working. Anyways, yeah, I have been, man, this, the last few weeks have been very interesting. My wife and I have been having very good conversations about what is absolute sex really in practical terms, but more importantly, what is it not? And how do we identify what it's not so that we can paint a clear picture of what it is and move towards that direction? And this really came up a few weeks ago when my wife had been in a conversation with a bunch of women who are married, blessed in marriage, faithful people, good people. And what was really shocking to her and to me when she told this to me is that of the group of women, many of them, I'm talking a lot of them, mentioned that because they were talking about frequency of sex, right? Kind of like the quality of their sexual relationships. And they were trying to get to that. And a lot of them said that they have sex whenever their husband wants. And that's Mm. just their rule of life. And that's just how they deal with it. Specifically, even if they don't want to, because they believe, they honestly believe, and a lot of people do subconsciously or unconsciously believe. (laughs) No, no, subconsciously or consciously. Just (laughs) consciously, conscious, like aware or Or subconscious, not aware. Yeah, you're not aware. Yeah, that we have, I think, societal view that man or woman doesn't matter, but that sexuality is the the health of a sexual relationship is defined and measured by the frequency, but not necessarily the quality of the relationship. Sure, sure, sure. Not the quality of pleasure, but the quality of the communication, the give and take and the relationship. It's in the selflessness of that relationship. It became very apparent to my wife and I because hearing this, that couples are in sexual relationships and with each other and just giving themselves freely without even a desire for their own relationship is just for their spouse out of duty, basically out of obligation. 
it kills me. It kills us to hear couples like that. It kills my wife to hear that because sure. my wife and I have been through that experience. I can talk a little bit about that. So giving new meaning to Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, yes. no. Well, think about it. That That's the prevailing myth is that men are horny and that's just how they are because they're animals. And how many times have you heard that? Men are like dogs or like right, men yeah. are basically animals. We're just horny. We can't control ourselves. So when we're horny, just stay out of our way or just succumb to our whims. And that's like, that's the most dangerous stuff that you could possibly believe is that men are out of control and that you need to either just move out of our way and let us do what we need to do or just succumb to our desires. That's insane. That's rape culture all over it. And it puts women in a very terrible position. But then there's also this other weird thing that I'd like to note that when you were talking about this over the past month, a few guys, like not one, not two, like a few guys were talking about how mildly ashamed they were because their wife has a stronger sex drive than they do. And they're like, well, I guess that's something wrong with me. Or like, that's how they kind of, they've matured a lot. So they're like, well, you know, I guess that's okay. But their initial feeling and thoughts were there's something wrong with me because the man is supposed to have a bigger sex drive than the wife and should be driving the sexual relationship subject object, right? Which is another interesting dynamic that I didn't even know about because because that's definitely not my marriage. And from what I know about you, it's not your marriage. But there are quite a few guys out there where they have this emasculating feeling because their wives have want to have sex more than they do. And so again, it's like in this weird position of, well, who initiates and what's the pretense for sex? Is it just because one person wants to have it? Like that's a, kind of what you brought up. The man wants to have it. So the woman should just have it. And that's really not a good arrangement, right? So right. your wife was impacted. And then yeah. where did your conversation go? Like what did that bring well, yeah, up? In I, I think specifically addressing that question, that point is that I have also experienced in the last year, because I I work a lot with young couples who receive the blessing, who are starting the relationship, especially in the last few years. I would say a huge, maybe 80% or more of the couples that I'm working with or started their sexual relationship are of this nature that the wife has a strong sex drive and they have very, very frequent sexual relationships. I'm talking like every day for the last year, right? And in many cases, the man is like, I'm tired. <laughs> and of course, I'm like, well, don't complain. <laughs> <laughs> because sure, my story but... is very different, right? So my point is that like, of course, everyone is different sex drive. I mean, typically, of course, men over a, an extended marital relationship over years, typically the man will have a longer sex drive than women. Of course, it fluctuates up and down. But my point is that overall, that is not the main point that I'm trying to get. The main point that I'm trying to get to is actually the really, really exciting thing about what the potential of absolute sex is and what my wife and I have, thank God, thank the universe, have been able to accomplish and learn is that a true relationship is doesn't matter whose sex drive is stronger or weaker or hormone balance or imbalance. The true metric of a successful relationship is how much am I able to selflessly serve and live for the sake of my spouse first? Mm -hmm. How can I first put her or his to my wife's needs, not desires, but her needs before my own? Sure. And what I realized in my marriage early on, it all took years to learn this, but I was putting so much pressure and expectation on my wife to perform and to do certain things whenever I wanted. And I honestly believed, like hand to God, I believed that she should have sex and do things because I need it. Like I honestly believe that. And it's disgusting <laughs> to think about now. And I said that sure. to her so many times, you know, when she wasn't feeling it or, you know, we have these differences in sex drives, I would say, well, you should because you're my wife. And I didn't <laughs> realize that like that is the epitome of porn culture, not mm. just pornography, but yeah. what the sexualization of our culture is, mm -hmm. is that because I'm a man, because I have these 
needs, quote unquote, and desires, quote unquote, sure. I am deserve this kind of relationship. And I was realizing that like that thought that I had that I need this or you should was totally pornified. It was completely a skewed mentality I had based on my overexposure to porn over many years. And then I had to take a step back and realize that I was not putting her, essentially putting her needs and what does she need? And why is it that she's feeling this way? Why is it that our relationship is like this? And as soon as I could have a little bit of compassion and a little bit of understanding of her needs and actually study take the time to study and learn about why women feel like this or some women feel like this. And then things turned around. And then I started reaching out to people like you, Andrew, people like uncle David, people like, and I started talking to people about this because everyone around me from what I could tell was having the most amazing sex lives and was talking about how great their relationship was, And we were having a really hard time for a very extended period of time. And, so wait, wait, wait. Uh, details. So <laughs> was it like that in the beginning? And if not, if that kind of evolved into like a sexless marriage, when and why did that happen? And how long did that last for? Like these details are important. I think for us, it was like in the beginning, as usually happens, there's like an infatuation period. And like I mentioned these couples before, it's like there's this period of year or a few years where it's just you know, it's wonderful, right? It's great. And you know, what really was difficult for I think was a contributing factor was my wife had a certain level of postpartum depression, a certain to a certain extent, sure. I know that's not very black and white, clearly defined, but she had a lot of hormone affected. And just the reality that raising a child is in, you know, the sleepless nights and like a lot of things contribute to that. I'm not going to go and say that children, it's the child I'm like, no, not at all. I honestly believe that if I had taken a different approach, as at that time and had more compassion and empathy for her than our sexual relationship would have maintained. Like honestly believe that because when I did change, she changed as well. She was able to open herself up more. But that period of after our second child was born for basically like two years, I can count on one hand how many times we made love within a two-year period. And I know that's like really hard to admit to myself because I think at the time I was hanging out with a lot of the uh, Leighton and Crescentias and all these wonderful couples in New Jersey that I love and respect <laughs> who just have amazing sexual relationships and will talk, talk openly about their sexual relationship. And I love and respect them so much, but it's really, really hard to be in those friend circles when you're the only, or you feel like I'm the only one that's dealing with that. It feels like going to school with your like Lunchables or your, you know, bagel and everyone's eating like this fantastic meals, you know, prepared <laughs> by their parents. Sushi. Yeah. They're talking sushi. They're talking about all the toys they got for Christmas and you're, you're like dirt poor and you didn't, you know. That's kind of yeah. the feeling, man. It's really, really, it's so distraughting. Yeah, that's insane because I mean, I went through the exact same thing as you yeah, and reacted in the same way as you, which is more lack of sympathy. Like, what about me kind of thing? Like, yes, sure. You're not up for sex, but I need sex. So what about that? whole thing right right, right. Yeah. but that's really a me focus but here this i mean everything that you were talking about up until this point really raises a question which is i've been thinking a lot about give and receive action because it's such a basic fundamental idea that comes from the divine principle right but it's everything needs a common base in order for that give and receive to have meaning and so i think that's one really important question is like what is the common base for your sexual relationship, because that's kind of what pushes you over the edge to start getting sexual. And if mm. it's like pressure, if that common base is, well, he needs it and I want to make him happy, then it's lopsided and the results will be lopsided, right? So the formula is like, okay, what is the common base? 
and then you have give and take, that's going to be the result. It's going to impact the result. So if you have a weird common base for having mm. some sort of sex, then the results are going to drive you farther apart rather than closer together. But if the common base is let's be closer together, then it will most likely wind up such, right? Because wow, that's yeah. the reason why you're doing it. And so when you think about, yeah, these couples, so we were talking a little bit beforehand and you were talking mm -hmm. about these couples that are every day. Sometimes we've definitely heard reports of the braggarts texting us, especially right after the blessing, six times, seven times in one day, right? Yeah. They're so proud of that fact because, <laughs> you know, they've been withholding for 20 whatever years. So I get it, not to judge, but just to understand that if the reason why you're having sex is because you think your body needs it or whatever, but your heart's not in it and your spirit's not in it, the result will be over time that one person is going to start feeling more detached from the relationship because of sex. Does that make sense? So like sex becomes a wedge in your marriage instead of a binding agent in your marriage. Right. If the reason that you're having sex is not pure, is not for the sake of the other person to really experience God in that moment, then it becomes something that adds weird emotions rather than amazing emotion. Does that make sense? Yeah, that is exactly what happened to my wife and I, because I was putting this wrench in our system, which was making the focus my needs and pleasure and experience and making it the, the very external superficial, well, not superficial, but the external stimulus of sexual pleasure with my wife, her constant battle with this was what about the internal? I need the internal first. I need the emotional connection first. And that's mm, not there. Mm. And God bless her. Like, I can't tell you how grateful I am. Like how frustrated I was for years. But now to see our relationship now, I can say that I really understand a glimpse of what absolute sex really is. It's because she stood her ground. And she said, I'm not going to give in just because you think, because you're going to label our sexual relationship as being this or needs to be this. And she stood her ground and said that I believe that it can be something different and better. And she believed in me. That's like how I feel. And I think there's a huge opportunity for couples to go through that experience and not just say, oh, it's easier to just give in. It's easier to just do whatever. And like you said, that's beautifully said, like making the relationship, the communication, God, something bigger, the focus and the center of the sexual relationship instead of just the physical pleasure, yeah. which I think these couples that we're talking about <laughs> who have been blessed recently, like we love them to death, right? We work with them all the time. But at the same time, it's like we have to be careful because if the focus of the relationship is the external, is the meeting a quota of doing it every day, and that defines my relationship is how yeah. frequent if we go a week or even a month without having sex, or somehow our relationship is failing. That is sure. the wrong metric. Because if it were true that the more sex you are having, the better relationship, you know who would have the best relationships? Porn stars. <laughs> Porn stars would. Yeah, That is the epitome of what the opposite of a God-centered, a, a sexual relation, a true sexual relationship is just pornography, basically. Right? Coercion, like, yeah. Porn has nothing to do with sexuality at all. And I think we talk about this. It's like the actual matter of pornography is a screen. It's nothing sexual about it in terms of what is really sexual is connection and intimacy. The only thing that is sexual about pornography is touching yourself. Right? There's nothing sexual about a screen at all. But sure. somehow there's like the enemy or whatever, Satan, whatever, the industry or ourselves even have made a way to link our innate need for intimacy with something that is destructive and addictive as pornography in like a perfect storm kind of way. And it's just, it's a perfect storm of destruction and mania. <laughs> so pop. Yeah. Well, it's very true when you have a couple, a new couple. Like I remember I had a friend and she was single for a long time. This is like well before my time in a faith. 
with a god and she just got a new boyfriend and I kind of went over to their house and I was like, oh, how are you guys doing? They're like, oh, it was like brand new relationship. We didn't even leave the house this weekend. We just had sex all weekend. And then, you know, like that's generally what happens is the attraction is just so fiery and steamy in the beginning, but it's based off of like when you go to a buffet and you're so hungry, you don't give a crap how you're going to feel three dishes in. You just cram as much food in your mouth as possible. And then you leave that place with a a sore belly. You know why? Because you ate a bunch of garbage as quickly as you could. Not because your body needed it or wanted it, but because your mouth did. That's what it's like when you let the body take over without any judgment, without any rationale, without any foresight. You've just let this thing take over and it's like a child. It doesn't know what it wants. Like your body doesn't, it needs to consult the mind and then the mind has to be like, well, is this a good idea or not? And then your heart, is this in line with our future guys? Let's all think about, they all need to work together. And if you're having sex where any element of your entire self, your mind, your heart, your spirit. If you leave those things out, it's not going to be fully rewarding. It's not going to kill you, but over time, what you're talking about is the compound interest of negativity or positivity. If the reason why you're always, you really try to make it a priority to become physically intimate based off of internal reasons, then the compound interest is more love, more trust, Mm. more closeness. And if the precluding factor of your sex is just because you're horny, then you can really expect less closeness, more judgment, feeling separated, even though your bodies are connecting, your minds are not. And it's really something to look at. You know, as a formula for anybody who's in a relationship to look at, you know, why do I want to make love right now? Is it for the right reasons? Should I talk about it? And like, get good at like engaging with your mind and not just your body, your body will be like, I'm horny, but then, okay, well, is this in line with your relationship with the type of person you want to be? And to have that type of intuitive relationship with your sexuality is amazing. And you can also do it as a single person is like, Hey, I'm feeling horny. Why? Why? What led to this? It's not, your body doesn't just like feel triggered for no reason. It's like, there's something, what is that thing? So it's all really helpful. And yes, Benji. So what do you think the most destructive thing about feeling the need to have sex is like, oh, I need to have sex three times a week or whatever. Like, why would you say that that's a bad thing? Because for some people, to be honest, just to be the devil's advocate, there are certain trains of thought in the psychological fields, whatever that say, sometimes you just need to do it. And then you feel close. Like you don't feel like doing it and then you do it and then you feel close. Definitely heard that at, you know, different workshops or different seminars or books. What do you think about that? Good question. I think that it is absolutely fine and perfectly healthy for couples to have frequent sex. I just think that if that is the primary focus of the relationship, then it can be harmful because it's taking away focus from things that can actually be really important. Like what are the needs of my partner? What are the needs, like the internal needs are the emotional needs of the man or woman, doesn't matter, of the gender. Are they being met or do they really feel connected with me as a person? And on that foundation, yeah, if the result is sex every day or twice a day or eight times a day, which we've heard recently someone <laughs> eight times, then that's wonderful. That's a wonderful metric. That's a result. That's not the focus, right? So yeah, I think that's it's perfectly fine and healthy. And I think people start to ask me after I share my story with my wife, like, well, how are you guys doing now? And I understand why people want to ask that, but I'm not going to answer <laughs> Really? Because I, again, like, I don't want to take the focus away what's really important. But I can say is that my wife and I 
as a result of the give and take we've had over the last 10 years of our blessing and the many ups and downs and the, the true lows where I think most couples would have given up very quickly if yeah. they went years, months and months without being intimate or physically close at all. But we went through that without any hesitation or any thought in our mind that this relationship is not going to work or the blessings is not for us. Never crossed our minds because we understood the commitment of being in a marital relationship and being blessed means that no matter what happens, and I know you understand this too, right, Andrew, sure. for sure. No matter what happens, we're going to grow from this experience. And that's the yeah. whole point. The it's, best it's the advice point. is like anybody who's going to the blessing saying with the if question, if this is going to work, I hope this works. If you're not ready. It's how, how's the right question? How can we make this work? When you've yeah. switched your brain and that's where most people are at in dating everybody's and if this works out, that's why it's dating. It's like sampling the goods and it doesn't work out most of the time. And marriages don't because you also, these prenups, prenuptials, those things is just basically saying when, when we divorce, you get this and I get this. That's when. But most most people are honestly stuck in if they're wondering if this is going to work. You cannot make something really special. You have to be how it's like, I'm 100% going to make this work from my end. Right. And to have a partner that's the same means that, yeah, that stuff is just a blip in your historical. Cause I think the frequency with which you had sex during that difficult time, I probably something similar. I did like, it was so traumatic in the time that I wasn't even about to like count the frequency because mm -hmm. it, it was so painful because I was comparing myself to my expectations. I was comparing myself right. to other people, right? But what we were doing was just, we're doing this dance. If you're married for a long time, it's a dance. And sometimes the song is really fast. Sometimes the song is really slow. And yeah, definitely our sex life is so much better because we have more bandwidth to give to it. When you have little kids and stuff, it's like, it's a free for all, man. And then you add postpartum stuff and all that. So I really agree with what you're saying that, first of all, don't compare your sexual relationship with anything, even your own past or your expectations for the future or your friends or some amazingly smart psychologist that you just read a book about and you're supposed to have three sex three times a week like this one guy who used to give lectures used to talk about like this kind of stuff is a great framework great but don't compare your present to that just merely compare yourself to the person that you want to be the type of relationship you want to have and, and work steadily towards that and you'll get that because like what Benji was saying is very true the more that you force the issue you, the more of a wedge that you're driving between you and your spouse, because you're not being sympathetic to them. You're just forcing your will upon them. And that's the least attractive thing that you could ever do to anybody. I think there's there are things I wanted to mention for the listeners. One is that if a couple is experiencing difference in sex drive, I mean, that's the most normal thing, <laughs> the most normal yeah. experience that couples have regarding their sex relation, especially if they've been married for more than a year or more than a few years, especially longer, right? So sure. if that's the case, I think absolutely no one should feel <laughs> strange or different or ashamed or anything like that. For me, like as soon as I reached out to people like Andrew, people like Uncle David, people that I trust, respected, that I knew was going through the same thing or been through the same thing, as soon as I did that, things changed. And that's the power of give and take, right? The divine principle 101 is that everything in the universe is created from give and take action. And that's what happened. It's like, somehow just having give and take created something new. And that something new doesn't happen if within our own head and sometimes not even within our own relationship. So that's one thing I wanted to mention is that it's like totally normal and can absolutely be overcome and worked out somehow. What else? You said you had a few. Things. Yeah, thanks. The other thing was, Andrew, if you have anything to mention to our single listeners, single folks who are primarily here for because they're struggling with porn and preparing for marriage, 
how would we apply this to them? I just went on a rampage last night. I was talking to a bunch of youth in New Jersey, but then all over the place. And it's really like the greatest thing you can do is figure out what the relationship is between the most important areas of your life. So your heart, your mind, your phone, your time, and create a strong vision for that. So the thing that I'm really hot on these days is the North Star goal. As you know, I'm shoving it down everybody's throat. And it's just like the best way that I can describe it is picture yourself in two or three months from now, and you just have a perfect day. You wake up and you feel exactly the way you want to feel. You leave your bed and you do the things that you want to do, that you choose to do, whether it's spiritual or you have the perfect coffee. And then you proceed to have a great day. You are around the people that you love, that love you, that you treat with respect and they reciprocate. And you're involved in a job that you really care about, a mission, whatever. And then you end up just living your day like that. And then you go to bed, you feel great. And that you just like, that was a perfect day. What does that look like? If you can start to fill in those details, it says a lot about your life today. I'm guessing that that would not include, and I wasted three hours watching porn. That probably wouldn't be a part of your day if you can envision that. I wasn't gossiping about somebody. I wasn't sleeping in feeling self-lamentation because I don't know how to wake up. It starts to become really clear the stuff that you need to rip out of your life in order to have that kind of day and this kind of habits that you need to start building. So if you're single, this is a perfect time to start customizing your life because when you're in that state, when you're really engaged in life, and you're really alive, then it becomes clear who a good mate would be who's also like that. Things are very clear when you're clear. And it's much easier to make decisions like who a good spouse would be when you're clear. But when you're unclear and you're not doing your spiritual disciplines, you're just kind of like muddy, you can't make a good decision. And even if somehow by chance you make the right decision, you will always doubt it because you didn't make it from the right place. It could be the right decision. You were in the wrong headspace when you made that decision. You always kind of question it. So get clear, right? Get clear in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. It's all easy. It's all muscles. It's you just got to put in the work every day. Yeah. Awesome. And anything else? Like <laughs> you really tease people with like, you talk about how bad things got and then you just won't tell people how you're doing now. Oh, really? <laughs> well, let's just say my wife does enjoy our relationship. Yeah. Awesome. I'm really so proud of that. Like we've been blessed for 10 years. I mean, for us, it's a long time. You know, I was pretty fairly young when we were blessed. We have two kids and it's a lot of ups and downs, a lot to go in there, but I can feel confidently like it took us a good seven years to really feel like we're in our stride and we're heading in a really good upward trajectory. Of course, it's like a compound interest. Again, it's up and down, but the overall trajectory is really steadily going uphill and it's really exciting. I'm just so happy and grateful. I cannot believe that we found our way and are finding our way outside of the jungle. And I know that's the hardest thing in the world for someone who's in the side, lost in the jungle, who is struggling with a porn addiction habit, has a relationship with their spouse or parent that's really destructive or difficult. When you find yourself in that jungle, it's the hardest thing in the world. But like you said, a few months even, like if you have that North Star goal, it's very shocking how quickly things can turn around if you really focus, right? I think we tend to think like, oh, when I'm blessed down the road, things will be different. When I'm in a relationship, I'll get rid of this issue or whatever. But the reality is that our habits right now the way we think right now, our porn habit, whatever it is, it affects us right now way more than we think. And it doesn't even matter what's going to happen in the future. Because right now is when we're alive. And right now is how everything we do is impacting us. So Absolutely. I guess for single people, my advice would be that don't make 
your future spouse, your primary motivation to quit porn, which from my experience talking with folks, and I talk about this all the time, is that basically 100% of the groups that I've been leading, they say that their primary reason to quit porn is for their future spouse. And the problem with doing that, which is a beautiful reason, but the primary problem with doing that, it does not take the impact of our decisions into our current state of being right now. It doesn't Mm. take how my porn habit right now is affecting me in my everyday life right now, which makes it very hard to quit. And most likely what will happen is that people who have that reason will take their habit far and too long into the future and into their relationship until they're faced with someone who's looking in the eyes and saying, it's either me or it's porn. Then they yeah. can change. That's what's going to happen. So yeah, reckon- they're, they're almost doing it for an imaginary spouse that they haven't had a fight with yet. And the moment that they start to disagree with their spouse, then they don't have the motivation to stay away from it. Right. That's true. That's good. And also this one dude that I was taking care of, he really didn't get, he's like, I just don't know why I should stop porn. You know, like every two weeks he becomes very cloudy and he forgets why he wants to quit porn. And I'm like, well, do you really think that these people on the other end of the screen want you to be watching them right now? Like, how are they doing? Do you care about them at all? Like, he's a really compassionate person, but I think we've just been so accustomed to watching people denigrate themselves for our pleasure and we don't even have any emotion towards them at all, right? So to have a stronger motivation now, like you said, instead of some invisible potential spouse in the future is very, very helpful. Extra ammunition. Yeah. So do you have anything left in the tank that you want to release or is you feel satiated? Or I think you know? one thing that came up a few weeks ago with my current group is that we were asking this question, why do you seek out porn, right? Why do you do it? And that's something that a lot of people answer with something like, because it's addictive, right? It's like, why do people <laughs> smoke? Because it's addictive and it's stress relief, right? Of course, those are obvious reasons, but there's something that is a lot, of course, those are valid, but there's something also a lot deeper than that as to why you seek out porn. I think that's something I really want to delve into more and more, you know, right here in the podcast. But yeah, if you have any thoughts on that, I think it's like everyone has different reasons, but there's the more we can address those internal, more deep seated reasons for why we seek out porn, I think it's easier to address them. Yeah. Well, let's get into that in another time. I think that deserves its own episode because it's really hard for people to see the reason behind the thing that drives their behavior. It's like, it's really hard to see on Mm. that level. You know what I mean? Like the question of, hey, do you have any trauma that you haven't dealt with? And it's like, I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) I'm so curious. Is there something in my life that I've just buried so deep that I have no idea that drives my some fearful behaviors? I don't know. But we can definitely unearth that topic and help people understand to the extent that we understand that we've worked with. So yeah, let's do that another time. This time, I guess we'll start wrapping up. And yeah, guys, just please understand guys and gals, please understand that if you are blessed, please don't compare yourself to anybody else. It's always good to learn from people who are in a healthy relationship to help inform you, but you are in a unique relationship that has never existed before. There's never been a you or your spouse ever in history. So the formation of your marriage is entirely unique. So it can be informed from good sources, but you're creating something totally unique to all of history. So it's not really good to compare yourself. And if you're single, yeah, just stay strong, you know, (laughs) keep on building. Trust me, my God. When I hear, oh, some couple are having sex eight times a day, I can guarantee they don't have kids. I tell you that. So if you're single, please enjoy your singleness and use it as a time to bolster yourself up into a really radiant individual. 
Because at high noon, our goal is to help create radiant couples and radiant families, families that just ooze love and wholeness and happiness. But it starts with individuals. So don't expect to be happy in the future if you can't find happiness here and now. Want to sign out, Benji? Why don't you close us out? I'm talking too much. Okay, yeah. We're signing out. Thanks for joining everyone. If you really want to get to the meat of absolute sex and intimacy right now as a single person or in your marriage, just think about what you can do to put your spouse and other people before yourself and have understanding, sympathy, compassion, empathy with them. And you'll be in good hands and God will work with you. Godspeed, everybody. Thank you for listening. Hey, Andrew Love here. And I wanted to plant a seed in your mind before you go. You see, a lot of people, when they start to consume our content, they listen to our podcast, they watch our videos, they read our blogs, they start to believe in the idea of freedom as a possibility for them in their lives. And it is. You can break free from porn. You can build amazing, eternal relationships. But it requires you to make the jump. It requires you to commit transformation. And that only happens when you invite other people into your journey. You see, a lot of people think that because I got into porn by myself, I can get out of it by myself. And that's the wrong thinking. It's not about simply removing a negative force from your life. It's about creating fulfillment and connection and intimacy with other people. So we really recommend first and foremost that you build a team of accountability partners, facilitators, group members, and we can do that. We have all that waiting for you, but you need to first reach out to us. If you already have people in your life that you think can help you, we have online courses that will teach you both how to create a dynamic that works in terms of accountability. But if you don't have an accountability partner, we already have volunteers who are waiting for somebody to help. We have groups that are waiting for somebody like you. But your role and your job is to merely reach out to us and we can work together with you to create a powerhouse team so that you can build the life of your dreams. We look forward to hearing from you.